God is good. How many people blessed already in the new year? This is going to be a fantastic year. I want us to just, uh, even as the offering baskets are going around, we're just going to take a moment because I would like us to, to pray uh, for uh, just a national issue. One of our, our national leaders, uh, Honorable Raila Odinga, uh, lost his son, I think, this morning, Fidel. Uh, some of you may not have heard that, but it's in the newspapers. And so I thought we could take a moment to just pray for the family. Is that a good thing for us to do? I think the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders, and he is one of uh, the leaders who has shaped this nation, helped to shape this nation, and I feel it's appropriate for us to just spend a moment uh, as we begin to just pray for his family. Let's, let's bring it to, to, to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Odingas, and we thank you because you made them, you have allowed them to play a significant role in shaping what modern-day Kenya looks like. And right now, Lord, we just come alongside them as just another family that is grieving the loss of a son. I pray for uh, Honorable Raila and his wife, Ida, and the rest of the family. I pray right now that you would uh, reach them with a peace that passes understanding. Uh, we do not know the details and how this happened, but we pray that, Lord, you would comfort them as they grieve, that, Lord, you'd be around them as they mourn. We pray that, Lord, at this time, you would allow us as a nation uh, for them to know that there is love all around. I pray that, Lord, this would be something that would allow us to put aside petty differences. Remember that we are one. We are Kenyans. We're together. And I pray that, Lord, as we begin this year in this way, I pray that, Lord, they would feel love from across the political divide. And, Lord, I pray that you would just engage that family right now. Draw them close to you. Lord, that they may be able to say in a time that would come, in the year that our son passed, we saw the Lord. And so encourage them at this time, we ask. Let your mercy be upon them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen. Amen. I felt it was appropriate for us to just begin by bringing them to prayer. And I also know that there are others who are grieving as well and mourning. And last week we had a chance to pray for the different families who've gone through, walked through this valley. And I believe that God, the encourager, is going to walk with you. Well, it's a good new year. It is a good new year. And we're starting this year in a very appropriate way. We're starting with a month of prayer and fasting. And uh, how many of you are aware of that, by the way? Let me just see. Show of hands. How many of you are hearing about it for the first time? And you're thinking, oh my goodness, I've already planned my menu for the rest of January. Oh, well, you can suspend that for now because we want to, uh, what, a, what a great way for us to start this year, but by just dedicating the year to God. And we want to spend, we, we've traditionally done our, our month of prayer and fasting in February, but we thought this year we want to bring it forward into January and just begin the year right. And so starting tomorrow, uh, we're going to have, uh, actually, if you go even today, if you go on our website, www.mavunochurch.org, uh, you'll be able to find a prayer guide, and we're going to follow that prayer guide through the month. We're going to be praying for our own personal lives. We'll pray for Mavuno. We'll pray for our nation as well. And so please pull out that guide. It has a, a, a detailed day-by-day -day, uh, little account. On our Facebook page as well, we're going to renew it every day. We'll put what the prayer points are for that day, and we can follow along. And I want to just encourage as many of you, as possible to join us. Some of you, uh, for medical reasons, you're not able to do a full fast, but perhaps you're able to fast on something that is important to you, something that will give you, allow you to take time. By the way, fasting is not a starvation thing. It's not a hunger strike. Some people see fasting like a hunger strike to make God do things. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is denying ourselves and allowing ourselves to use that thing that we've denied, that time that we've denied ourselves to seek God. And so it's an opportunity for you of a lunch hour to take a prayer walk, and to just depend on God, and to also substitute the strength that food gives you, uh, to, to be able to focus that strength on God as well. 
So we want to start tomorrow. And also, I know many of you are intending to read the Bible through the year. That's something we've encouraged at Mavuno. We've done that for the last few years. We want to do it as well. So again, we're going to have that guide on our... Uh, you, you, there are actually a couple of apps you can download. If you go on our, our, our website, uh, on our Facebook page, we'll put the, the links for those. You can download it so it tells you what to read every day. But if you like, you can also go on our Facebook page. And every day, we're going to put a little uh, a reminder what the readings are for that day. And we want to encourage as many of you. By the way, if you find it's too much for you to, that the readings are too long for you to be able to read the whole Bible, then read through the New Testament this year. But it's just a way for you to renew your mind and to listen to God afresh as we start the year. So I want to encourage you, as many of you, to be able to do that. This morning, we had a, quite a few people. I think it was their New Year's resolution. We had a, quite a few extra people who don't usually join us for the 745 uh, prayer meeting. We have a 745 prayer meeting preparing for the service. And I want to open that invitation. Maybe some of you are able to say, just for this month of January, every Sunday, I'm going to come earlier. We're going to pray for the services, but also pray for ourselves. Every Sunday, 745, uh, you know, you're already coming fight. It's already a sacrifice for you to be here. You might as well just come early, wake up and have, uh, have a... And, and you're not eating breakfast anyway, isn't it? So you can use that time and be here, isn't it? I mean, you, you can substitute that prayer t breakfast time and come and let's pray together. Uh, this is going to be a fantastic year. Amen? Anybody excited about 2015? Yeah. It's going to be a really, really good year. How many of you took a God-sized risk and stepped out in 2014? Let me just see. Show of hands. Yeah, quite a few of you. You know, over the last few years, God has given us a word at the beginning of every year. And it's a word that sort of aligns us, allows us to hang our faith on one theme and allows us to direct ourselves as a congregation. And last year, our theme was step out. And God was challenging us to take some huge risks in our faith, to step out and to take some big risks. And I know as I've been having conversations with different ones of you, there's some of you who took steps of faith that you never would have. I've talked to a couple who stepped out to own a home. They never would have taken that risk, but they sensed God was asking them to do that. I've talked to a couple who, uh, who went to school, like a couple of people who went to school, and God just, they just felt, this is what God is asking me to do this year. I've talked to different people in different situations. And for me, what's exciting is to see God's people when they take God's word and run with it. Because God never gives us his word to inform us. He gives us his word to transform us. And so I want to encourage you, whenever we come to God's word and we say, this is what God is saying to us as a congregation, take it and run with it. Tell your neighbor, run with it. You know, don't worry about your neighbor. Your neighbor may not be listening to it, but every time you come to God's word this year, decide to yourself, Lord, I will do at least one thing you tell me to do today. And I'm going to take your word and stand on it and run with it. And I know that many people here have had their lives completely transformed because they've been walking through this journey. By the way, it's so good to see. I'm seeing some diaspora members. Some people have not seen in Mavuno for a while. Look at your neighbor. Do they look like a diaspora member? Tell them, welcome home. It's great to start the new year together. It's really good to have you around. So, so good to have you. Well, you know, God has put us in exactly the right position. Last year, we took a huge risk of stepping out, and we stepped out into this property. And it was a huge, I mean, the biggest risk I think I've ever been involved in uh, my whole life. Uh, many people said it couldn't be done. Many people said it's, it's, a, it's a suicidal thing to do for us as a church. But we sensed God was asking us to take this risk, and we came. And I don't know if the, the media guys have pictures of what it looked like before. We had a, I was looking at a couple of pictures before of what this place looked like. How many of you remember these days? Any of you were here for that? When we came to the land and it was completely... Do you have any of the land apart from just the people? I mean, we, this place was just completely bare. Uh, can you see how it looked like? It was just a, a big green space. 
with people. And we came and we prayed. And this, by the way, was early last year. And oh my goodness, somebody said, when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. Because we took that step of faith and we are here. And to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Only God could have done that. And we give glory to God. We give glory to God. We stepped out in faith. And we're here. And we bless the Lord. For those of you who have joined us since we came, you may not have really understood the kind of magnitude of faith it took for us to come and be here. Uh, but for many of you who are there along on that journey, you know that only God could have brought us here. But the best is yet to come. Tell your neighbor, Nabado. We're just beginning. The best is yet to come. We are right where God wants us to be for what God wants to do. God wants to impact our city. He wants to impact our nation. And he wants to impact our continent. And you are positioned. You are exactly where God wants you to be for God to use you to do this. And so this year we want to look at, a, I want to share what God is saying to us. Because as I've been praying about what God's word is to us as we begin this year, I sense that the thing that God has been putting in my spirit is the phrase, position yourself. This is the year to position yourself. I've prayed about this. And I've just, by the way, this word came so early. It came in July last year. And I just began to sense, even then I didn't even understand it at that time. But I just sensed that God was putting this word in my heart and saying next year is going to be a year to position yourself. And I sense that God is saying that if we want as a, as a people to enjoy godly success in 2015 and even beyond, because God is not, you know, God's calendar is not our calendar. God isn't saying happy new year. I mean, God, God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his success, he's not looking at success for 2015. He's looking at lifelong success for us. And God is saying that if we want to enjoy that kind of success, godly success, that there are certain practices, there are certain things that we're going to have to internalize and put in our lives. And that's what we want to talk about this January. And today I want to begin by looking at a, at a leader who set out to achieve the impossible. I want to look at a leader, I want us to get into God's word, and we're going to be doing that the whole month, looking at this leader. A person who achieved his dreams. A person who achieved success beyond anything he ever imagined. A person who God used from when he was a young person, but used him even more spectacularly as time went on. This is why I told you to tell your neighbor, the best is yet to come. And so I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 18. There's some thoughts there that I want to share with us. Exodus chapter 18. And we're going to be reading from verse 13. Exodus chapter 18. We're going to be reading a, a story there from verse 13. You know, the amazing thing about God's word, it's new all the time. It's new every morning. And as we read his word, some of you may have heard, read through this text, you've heard, through, you've heard sermons on it, but I sense that there's something unique that God wants to speak to us today as we begin 2015. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 to 27. And as we turn there, let me just give you a little context to the word. As you're turning there in your Bible, I'll just tell you a little bit about what this story was. Uh, the story, give, uh, that for those who are not familiar with it, Moses was minding his business. Just minding his business, just doing his thing when God showed up. And God had a plan for him. And God told Moses to do what Moses did not want to do. He told him to go and free the Israelites who were being mistreated by the people of Egypt. Moses resisted, but God insisted. <laughs> Any of you ever been in that position? You resisted, God insisted. You told God, God, anything but that. Lord, I don't want to do that thing. 
And that's a exact, anybody ever been in that situation? That's a thing that God told you to do. The thing that you are resisting is the, God that God, the thing that God was insisting. Now, this is what happened to Moses. That God insisted, even though he was resisting. And my prayer, by the way, for us as a congregation is that we will say yes to God this year. Because there are some of us who are in Moses' position where God is insisting and we've been resisting. May this be the year when you put up your hand and you say yes. We sang that in the song. May this be a year of saying yes. And so finally Moses said yes. And he loaded his wife Zipporah and their two sons on a donkey. And he set back on that difficult journey back to Egypt. He got to Egypt. And the Bible doesn't give us any detail. But at some point in that whole scenario, Moses decided to send his family back home where they had come from. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened. It could have been, maybe they had a domestic. Does that ever happen? Where people have domestics and you just think, go back to, okay, I know you're Christians, you never have such things, but you hear about them, isn't it? Maybe they had a domestic and he just told her, go back where I found you. And somehow she took off with her children. We don't know. Or maybe, maybe life was expensive in the city. Maybe he got to Egypt and he found the cost of living was high. And as happens many times in this country, he sent his people back up country. Or maybe life as a political activist was too dangerous for them. And he realized his life was in danger. He was confronting the powers that be. He was always demonstrating against the government. And he realized, my goodness, we're going to be in trouble here. And he sent her home so that he could focus on what God was calling him to. I always tell you, read the Bible with imagination, isn't it? When it doesn't say, you ask yourself, why? what was going on here? All we know is that some way or the other, his family left and went up country. Now, after a very dangerous and intense period, Moses, through God, compelled Pharaoh, compelled Egypt to let God's people go. And it's a very interesting, it's a very powerful uh, sermon, a very powerful story, a story that has been uh, uh, used, uh, a theme and an inspiration for liberation struggles across the world where Moses led all these oppressed people out of oppression and into the freedom that God wanted them to go. But that's not our focus today because we want to go to what was happening. Meanwhile, father-in-law had received his daughter and guess what he asked her? What happens when fathers-in-law receive their daughters? who've come back home without the husband and just the children. She gave him the story, but he thought, Ay, I'm not sure I'm being told the whole story. In those days, there was no text, there was no WhatsApp, there was no email. He couldn't find out. But he wasn't sure. I, 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 think, I think Jethro wasn't too sure about this. So finally, when the news came that the people had left Israel, and you know, they left and they went northeast, and Jethro's place was somewhere in the north, so Jethro set a course. He told Zipporah, get up. Get your things, get your children. I'm taking you back to your husband. And so he set a course west and they met somewhere up and Jethro meets Moses. And of course, when Moses, what happens when your father-in-law comes? Men, best behavior, isn't it? I mean, your father-in-law enters your house even when you don't, you feel like saluting, isn't it? I mean, you want to wake up, the best chair you give him. I mean, this is what happens. Moses, the father-in-law comes in and Moses, is, he, he can see the, the, the guy. He wants to give him the best respect. He's giving him a guard of honor. He's showing him all around. I can't imagine how Moses' kids were feeling. I mean, when they left their father, he was a shepherd. Now he was a C in C. He was a commander-in-chief of all the armed forces. Of so all the guys are saluting him and they're thinking, my goodness, that's our dad. And they're hugging him like children must be hugging him. And of course, Zipporah, all she's thinking is, my man, finally, after all this time, 
I'm here. And now the whole drama happens where Moses has a big feast, calls all the leaders. By the way, it's all in the Bible, you can read it. Calls all the leaders and they have a big party and they celebrate the father-in-law, he impresses. You have to impress your father-in-law. By the way, when you talk to your father-in-law, you have to tell him how you're looking after his daughter, isn't it? When I talk to my father-in-law, I have you know, I stand up a bit taller. And I tell him, your daughter, she may have married a pastor, but she's doing okay. I'm looking after her. So Moses is impressing his father-in-law. And afterwards, it's time for people to go. And the moment that Zipporah has been waiting for, she and her husband alone together. Somebody set the music. Music playing. Romance. Candlelight. Chocolates. And you can feel it. Can you feel it? And the woman's heart is just full of anticipation. What do you do if you're Moses at that point? You're supposed to take the day off. And then, and, you know, you plan it ahead. You tell the office, I won't be seen for a while. I've got business to take care of. He looks after his wife, romance her, take her for a walk. Show her how important you've become. By the way, women like to know that about their men. I'm an important person, by the way, just in case. And show her. And then finally, wine her and dine her. But you know what the Bible tells us instead? It tells us, that they had a very short night. And the next morning, when Zipporah woke up, there was nobody in bed. So just imagine you're Zipporah. What are you doing? She wakes up and the dude is gone. Where is he? He's in the office. Now, some of you are looking traumatized because this might have happened to you. But let's read what happens next. Let's find out what happens next because something good happens in the Bible. I told you it's Exodus chapter 18. From verse 13. This is what it says. It says, The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. No lunch break. No tea break. Standing from morning till evening. When his father-in-law, so Jethro comes out of his tent. He's been wined and dined. He comes out to see what his son is doing. When his father-in-law saw that Moses was doing, what Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. If your father-in-law says that, you listen, isn't it? So Moses is listening. You must be the people's representative before God. Bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions. Show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials of a thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel, made them leaders of the people, officials of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. 
The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided for themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Let's pray as we come to God's word. My father, I thank you because your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. I want to pray that, Lord, today you would allow this word to come and to separate us from ignorance, to separate us from hard hearts, to separate us from resistance to your will, to separate us from the things that keep us from our destiny. I pray that you would bring a word that brings liberation today, a word of freedom. Father, I speak over myself as I bring this word. I pray that, Father, you would cause me to be so dependent on you. I pray that I would not speak what I want to speak, but only what you have for your people today. And I pray that together we would be transformed to be the people you want us to be. Prepare us, position us for 2015, Lord. Lord, I bless you and I thank you as I bring this word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, Amen. Now Moses had stepped out in faith. Moses had set out to do the impossible. He set out to free God's people. He started something huge. With God's help, he faced his fears. With God's help, he stepped out into his destiny. God used him to rescue these people who had been oppressed for hundreds of years. He was in a mission. And Moses' mission was turning ordinary slaves into a fearless nation that would represent God on earth. And people who would be influencing for countless of generations to come. But despite all that Moses had done, despite all the things that he had accomplished, things that no other leader before him and since, him, since then, even today, has been able to accomplish, Moses was in danger of seeing all his work crumble to nothing. His success was about to be destroyed. Why? Because Moses did not have any systems in his life. The systems in his life were not holding together. And because of that, he was dying of overwork. He was doing someone else's job. He was neglecting his family. He was risking his health. And he was about to burn out. This was Moses' reality. And this is a reality in 2014 for many who are in this congregation. Doing someone else's job. Dying of overwork. Neglecting your family. Risking your health. About to burn out. Don't put up your hand if I'm describing you. Now Moses had two main jobs. As Israel's judge, his job was to, dis to settle the disputes between God's people. He was there to judge, the, to judge and to decide who was right in the cases that they brought before him. But he was also their priest. He's the one who sought God on, on their behalf. He listened to what God was saying about where they were to go. And then he pointed them in the direction God wanted them to go. When his father-in-law woke up and observed him, it was clear that Moses was doing the right thing, but he was doing it the wrong way. Yeah, what I said. He was doing the right thing. He was doing it the wrong way. When you do the right thing the wrong way, you are doing the wrong thing. Can I say that again? When you do the right thing, the wrong way, you're doing the wrong thing. And that's why his father-in-law told him, Jethro told him, these are the words Jethro told him, verse 17. What you are doing is not good. Now, 
father-in-laws of necessity have to be diplomatic. Your father-in-law never says things harshly. He shouldn't at least. My father-in-law is the most diplomatic person I know. But I can tell you that when your father-in-law says what you're doing is not good, that's father-in-law speak for you're really messing up. You're really, really screwing up right now. Your life is in a mess. What you're doing is not good. He was telling him you're doing the wrong thing at this point. And Jethro told him, you know what you need? You need a system. Your life doesn't have a system. You need a system. And that system will help you manage work so that you do what you are supposed to do and free others to do what they're supposed to do. Now, this is a valuable lesson. I believe that God is saying this is a valuable thing for us as we start 2015. <laughs> we may desire to be successful. Maybe we have big goals. Maybe there are things you're dreaming about. There are some things that God has put in your heart. And that's why you must hear this message right now. I want to take a pause right now in my message and ask you to do something for me. Did you get a little piece of paper as you walked in? Did you get a piece of paper as you walked in? Yeah, just wave it. Let me see it if you have it. Excellent. Now, I want you to do something on that piece of paper. I want you to write something big that you're trusting God for in 2014. Something big that you're trusting God to help you accomplish in 2014. Now, 2015, sorry, that was last year. 2015, I need to move with the times. 2015, what is one big thing that you're trusting God to help you accomplish in 2015? By the way, it doesn't have to be one. If you can think of five, put them down. If you can think of three, put them down. What is something? And by the way, don't write, this is not an essay question. It's one word is enough. You can say, what, what's a big thing? Change career. Wife. Acquire wife. <laughs> what, what is that thing you're trusting God for? What's that one thing that you're trusting God for? Just write on that or two things or three things. If you need to borrow a pencil from your neighbor, please do so. But what are, what are those two, three, four things that you're trusting God for? By the way, uh, write them legibly. Don't write them in shorthand because we're going to be praying over those pieces of paper. Uh, now you're thinking of other things you need to be prayed for, isn't it? So just write them down. Limit them to about five. Uh, some of you could write on both sides. Just limit them to, to five. What are five things that you're trusting God for to help you accomplish in 2015? Five things, four things, three things. For you, it might be just, this is the one thing. I don't even have other things. This is the one thing. If God helps me accomplish this, this will be a successful year. Are you there? Have you written them? What we're going to do at the end of this service, we're actually going to leave those behind. And we're going to be praying through this whole month, trusting God with you for those things in 2015. So what are those things? Those are, what, are, what is that one thing or two things, those most important things that you're trusting God to help you accomplish in 2015? Now, I can see most of you are finishing or you're finished writing that. Hold on to that. I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it from you later. But I want you to learn this valuable lesson. And the reason why you need to be holding those goals as you hold this valuable lesson is because you need to know there's a risk that is facing those goals. Those things you're trusting God to help you to accomplish. There's a major risk that is facing those goals. The risk is this, that without systems, those things you've written are just dreams. 
they never will be accomplished. And the first thing that God is saying you need to put in your life is that there must be a system to accomplish the goals successfully that you're trusting God to help you accomplish in 2015 and beyond. So just make sure you write those down. If you haven't finished, it's okay. You can write them as I speak. But let me just say this. It doesn't matter what your goal is. Whether your goal is to start a ministry, to start a new ministry this year. Your goal is to jump into a new business. Your goal is to go to school and finish your education or to start your education. Your goal is to have children. <laughs> your goal is to, 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 to acquire a wife. Anybody feeling me on that one? Jesus' name. Okay, acquire a husband also. I need to put that one there as well. Whatever it is, unless you have a system, something that you're doing differently, then that goal will just remain a dream. It'll just remain a dream. You cannot expect different results this year by doing the same things you did last year. Something has to change in your thinking, in your mind, but mostly in your action, in the way you do the things you do. Without systems, you're going to spend this whole year doing someone else's assignment, not your assignment. Without systems, your goals are nothing but a dream. And I sense that God was saying this in a very strong way, way to me as we begin this year. I believe that God has positioned us for some great things. That God has big things for us as we've stepped out in faith. But this year, He wants us to put some systems in our lives to help us accomplish those things. By the way, systems are very amazing. They make a big difference. Sometimes we think it's more prayer we need when it's systems that we need. And God is saying, it's not, it's not more prayer you need for me this year. It's, it's, you need to put the system. Because when I bring the blessing, you need to have something that manages that blessing. But we find it very hard, by the way, to put in systems. There's just something about us that makes it difficult to put in systems. And I'll give you several reasons why I think some of us struggle with systems. I'm guilty of some of many of these reasons. But one of them is giftedness. I call it the curse of giftedness. Some of you are very gifted. You're very talented, as we say in Kenya, talented. You're very talented. And because of that, you find it hard to work with systems. I think Moses was like that. Moses was such a gifted guy. He was so far ahead of anyone else in Israel. He spoke with God face to face. He was tight with God. Who else could be as tight with God as he was? He was so talented, he was so gifted, that he probably felt no one can do this thing as well as I can. And anyway, if I get others to help me, they probably will mess up. They probably won't deliver as well as I can. You know, the problem, this thing of giftedness is a big problem. The more gifted, you know when you're very gifted and you find a big problem, what do you do? You work harder. Isn't it? You just believe, if I just work harder. If I just push more, then I'll make this thing happen. That's what Moses did. He just woke up earlier. Maybe he was waking up at two. The, the complaints became more. He started waking up at one. I mean, this is how, you, how gifted people operate. They just apply themselves more. And there are very many gifted people here at Mavuno Church. But you know, it's, it's, such a, it's been a hard lesson for me to learn. One of the things that I find for me at church, <laughs> one of the problems I find here at Mavuno, it's maybe a problem you've noticed at Mavuno Church. I've had some people, a couple of people mention it, is... At Mavuno Church, it's actually hard to see Pastor M. I've, I've had that sense where people say, hey, Pastor M is not that easy. I mean, I, I, maybe I like Mavuno, but you know, it's not always easy to see that pastor. 
And every time I hear that, a little piece of me dies inside. Because I want, I want to be accessible. I want to be. By the way, one of the things I, that I love to do is be with people. I love praying for people. I love caring for people. I love being there for people. By the way, it energizes me. I love to do it. And so whenever I hear somebody say that, a little piece of me dies inside. Because I'm like, man, I... People say, Pastor M, you're a very busy guy. And I often say, by the way, if you ever told me that, I'll say, no, I'm not that busy. Because I, I hate being called busy, by the way. Uh, it's not something I like. But, you know, it's, it's a reality. I'm not as accessible as I'd like to be. But you know what I've realized? If I was accessible, as accessible as I would like to be to the congregation and to everybody in this church, guess what would happen? You would have a dead pastor. You ever figured that out? You'd have a dead pastor. By the time I see 2,000 people, one after the other, I'd be dead. I'd have a broken family. My wife would be, have left me. My children would hate me. That's just the beginning, isn't it? But then after that, I'd be very ineffective because I'd be doing the things I'm supposed to be doing, which is praying for you, listening to what God is saying. Lord, where are you leading us as a congregation, as a community? I wouldn't be able to do any of that. And it would lead to a lot of ineffectiveness. And so, Guess what happens when you come to Mavuno Church? You're going to realize that we have many pastors that we've raised and trained up in this congregation. I don't know if you know this, we have over 60 pastors and pastors in training just here at Hill City alone. It's an impossible ratio. And I'll tell you something, it kills our budget. It does. But we've made it a priority that we will hire enough pastoral care to look after and to care for this congregation. So we have pastors. We also have, in addition to our pastors, our Pastor Linda talked about our interns. We have a strong internship program. Uh, I'm including that in our pastors. But every year we take in 20 to 30 new interns to train and, uh, to, be, to be leaders and pastors in this congregation. But in addition to that, we have life groups. We've sort of tried to organize all our people into life groups so that people can care for each other. And that's, a, by the way, it's a fantastic system. I'll tell you this. Generally, and this is, it's, not, it's not all the time, but generally, 90% of the people who come and demand to see me directly are not in a life group. 90%. Because usually what happens when people are in a life group, they know somebody who knows somebody and they're connected. And that's just a system and it works amazingly. It worked amazingly, Mabuno. We have prayer counselors. I don't know if you know that. After every service, we have a team of prayer counselors who wait. And anytime you come, by the way, and you have something coming up, you have an interview that week, you have a challenging situation with your boss coming up, there's something going on, you're going for a health check. I want to challenge you this year. Don't live here without getting prayer. Because we have a team of people who are committed to praying with you. And making sure you step into that week with all the prayer issues. Standing with somebody with you. In addition to that, we have many other ministry teams and leaders who are caring for our congregation. And because of that, I really can't be inaccessible to do the things I'm supposed to be doing. But it's hard. You know why? Because I like to be needed. I like to feel needed. And that's the second problem that I think we face. The need to feel needed. The thing that makes us not put systems in our lives. We like to feel needed. I'm sure Moses felt good whenever people said, Pastor Moses, when you pray for me, I just feel it. Nobody does it like you. There's no TV preacher who can pray. When you just lay hands on me, I just, something just happens. Let me tell you, by the way, as a pastor, it just, your heart just feels good. I, I prayed for some friends yesterday, and they just appreciated me, and I just felt I could die doing this. I love it. Pastor M, you pray so well. 
man, whenever you leave my house, I just feel a blessing in the home. I just feel my, I can, I can come next week and pray for you guys again. I mean, I love it. We all love to be needed. And so because of that, it's very hard for us to put the systems that remove us out of that picture. You know, I know many, many ladies who struggle because they need to be needed. They have no systems in their home to manage their kids, their housework properly. They're doing everything there. Can, can I speak to ladies? Is that okay? My, my wife isn't here, but she gave me permission because we talk about this with her. And you're doing everything your mother did and feeling guilty when you don't do it. She cooked, she cleaned, she cared for the children, she held them in church. And then in addition to that, you have a full-time job and a study a thing you're doing as well. And you feel guilty because you're not managing your kids well. And so you come to church. And by the way, you, you send your house help away on Sundays so that you can be with the children. By the way, it's punishment for you. Because you're, you're feeling so harassed running after them in the, in the greenhouse and the crash. But you just feel, one day they'll know. One day they'll just know how I gave my life for them. By the way, they won't. <laughs> they won't. That's just the reality of humans, isn't it? You ever sit down and just think, my mother chased me when I was a child in green. You don't think like that. You say, that was her job, isn't it? If she didn't want children, she'd not have had me, isn't it? That's just the reality. Your children will not think like that about you. So, we, when we had young children, we, we realized very quickly we needed to put systems in our lives. And one of the things we did, I mean, it cost us financially, but I told my wife, we're getting, yes, we need to give our house help, our leave on Sunday. We're getting a, a Sunday house help who comes to church and holds the children so you can sit in church with me. And I said, that's our system. And I said, you know what happens when, I, when, that, when that happens? We come out of church, we worship God. When we receive the children, we actually want to be with them. Because some of you, it's, a, it's torture. You see those kids, you don't want to be with them, but you're feeling guilty. Somebody must need me. And it's just, this, this thing keeps us from having systems. Are, are we together? I know I'm speaking for a husband here, and a husband is looking at his, don't look at her right now. Let her receive God's word. This is God's word to her. Don't interfere with what God is saying. And you know, this thing, even fathers, this whole thing about overwork, coming home late, not having time with our kids. Uh, when I'm sitting with my kids, my phone, I've got my phone on, and I'm looking, I mean, I'm looking at them over my, my screen, and I'm finding busy things to do. By the way, it's just lack of systems in our lives. And that feel to feel, that wanting to feel needed. You ever look at your Facebook page and you're sad that nobody has liked what you said? It's like, what? I said this thing five hours ago. Nobody has commented. And so we're there looking busy, but you're just creating work and not doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. We must put systems in our lives. Some of us have a very hard time going on leave, by the way. And I see some of you looking so like, my goodness, your, your boss called. I'm, I'm sitting with you over lunch and you pick up the phone and it's like, who's that? My boss. Why is your boss calling you on leave? Hey, those guys, they really need me. I don't know what they do without me. And you actually think that's a good thing? It's not. You're dying. You're, they, don't, they don't. By the way, you know what will happen? Have you seen that advertisement where you're partying and then you die and then you're a replacement? That's what will happen in your office the day you go. That's what will happen. You're dying for them. They don't need you to die for them because they'll replace you immediately like that. And you're neglecting your friends, neglecting your family because I don't know what they do without me. This year, go and leave. Go and leave. Start planning now for your leave so they won't need you. Put the systems in place. Some of you, by the way, your business and you are the same. Yes, your business has a fancy name, but when people call you, they don't call for that business. They say, 
you know, your, your business has whatever it is, amalgamated, whatever it is. But people know it's Roda's dresses. That's what they know. Roda Yuko. <laughs> Kamau's hardware. Kamau Yuko. And when you're sold Hayuko, you say, Akoapi. Because they don't, they don't want to deal with the business. They want to deal with Kamau, isn't it? And for you, you and the business are one. Which means you can never leave that business. Even on vacation, some of you have your phone on. Why? Because I'm a businessman. Who said? You're dying. You're killing the other things that are important. Put the system in your life. This one is a huge one for entrepreneurs, by the way. We've run business, my wife and I. And so I'm not speaking out of just guesswork. And right from the beginning, we put in the system so we could take leave just like when we were working, when we were employed. And I think it's a very important thing. If you don't have those systems, this is what I'm saying and this is what God is saying. Without systems, your goals are nothing but a dream. Now, the, the third thing, the other thing that makes us, it's just so hard for us to put systems in place is busyness. We are just busy people. I mean, I'm running so fast. When somebody asks me to put in systems, you're like, when will I have time to put systems in my life? You don't understand my life. And this was Moses. I mean, Moses left everything. He left his children who he hasn't seen for months. His wife, who he almost lost his life. She didn't even know whether she'd find a husband when she came. And he leaves her in bed. Why? Because the people need me. He's so busy. He has no time to put a system. But you know, the thing about it is investing in proper systems is like stopping when you're cutting down a tree to sharpen your axe. It feels like you're wasting time as you're sharpening that axe. But you know, when you come back with a sharp axe, what happens? Every time you swing, it goes in cleanly. And your work will be much faster because you're working with a sharp axe. And many of us are blunt axes. We're just running fast, doing the same things we did in 2014, thinking if I just work harder, if I just run faster, I'll manage this year. But that's a recipe for disaster. Because without systems, your goals are nothing but a dream. See, because of inadequate systems, many of us are praying for God to bless us with finances this year. But we don't have a budget. And we have no financial goals. And God is saying, you know what, if I bless you with those finances, they'll actually destroy you. You'll get into debt, more debt than you already are in right now. So maybe that's not what you need. It's not finances, it's a system to manage finances. We pray for promotion, but we've never taken time to manage our own job and to understand our boss's job. So you say, you know, I've been here for long. I, I don't feel appreciated. Why aren't you guys asking me to take the next job? But everybody can tell your systems are not in place. We pray <laughs> for more business. You know, some of us are praying for more business in that business of yours. But you've not put in the systems to manage the business. You know, I learned this lesson when we, my wife and I ran a video company, a video production company. We used to do wedding videos. And one of the things that we decided is the early part of our, of, our, of our business, we would just work on systems. Work on the system, not just in the system. And she's really good at that. That's one of the gifts that God has given us. She's a system thinker. And you know, by the time we finished our business, our business was maybe about maybe three, four years old when we sold it. But by the time we sold it, we were doing 30 wedding videos in a month. Shooting, editing, and giving back to the person. Happily. Who gets it happily? 30. Now, somebody like that would say, my goodness, you must have been dying as a family. I want to tell you that last month when we sold the business and we did 30, we were actually on vacation. My wife and I did not even go to the office. That was after four years. Why? Because the business had systems. The business was not us. By the way, nobody knew Pastor Embra in that business. My name was not even one of the things. It was not there. Nobody ever called. 
to ask for me. You know why? We put in the systems. Because very early in our business, one day, actually it was one night, around 9 o'clock at night as we were preparing to go, we had the doorbell ring. And a couple came in who knew us and they knew that we were doing the videos. We are doing their video. They came to our house and they said, we had ideas about our wedding video and we couldn't wait for morning. So we came to talk to you. We're just about to put our kids in bed. And we stopped everything and we sat with them at the table to discuss their wedding video. And at that point, we realized something is wrong with this picture. If the business is me, then I don't have a life. Am I preaching to somebody here? Because you guys are looking like you have all this together. But I sense that God is saying without systems, it doesn't matter how I pour my, I open the floodgates of heaven and pour down my blessing. And my blessing destroys you. It washes you away like a flood because you don't have the systems to manage it. Back to our story. Moses was now poised for significance. Amazingly, when he gave away the leadership, when he gave away, he put in people to, to, to manage things for Israel. Guess what happened? Instead of becoming less important like he might have feared, he actually became more important for Israel. Now he was really listening to God. Now he was really directing them. And you know what? He had the time now to put in the systems for what Israel would need when they got to the promised land. Because that's what the first five books of the, of the, of the Bible are. Those are systems. He says, this is how we worship. This is how we build houses. This is how we, we fight. This is how we do this. He was able to spend time to lead, which he never would have if not for his father-in-law's advice. Putting in the systems in his life. Because without systems, your goals are nothing but a dream. I want to share with you four systems really quickly. There are many systems that some of you are already thinking about right now as God is speaking. And I don't know all of them. But I'm going to give you four very quick ones that I believe that some of you may need to, to be thinking about this, this year. The first one is a goal management system. You have a system where you're regularly checking off your progress towards your goal. Towards your goals for 2015. What are those goals? First of all, do you know your goals? Because if you live without goals, you're running without aim. The Bible says, I do not run aimlessly. What are the goals that you have? Have you written them down? What are you doing every day or every week or every month to achieve that goal? Because you don't just write a goal and wait for 2015 to see whether you end of it, to see whether you achieved it. What are you going to be doing? Have you broken it down into achievables? And then are you ticking it off and being able to say, I've done this. I'm behind on this. I need to work a bit more on this. About a couple of months ago in November, I went on a retreat and I wrote down my goals for 2015. And every month I'm checking off those goals. And every two, every four months, I plan to go on a retreat. Every court, every, every term, I go on a retreat to be able to see, am I close to where I'm supposed to be? Am I behind? What do I need to do to adjust? That's my system. That's my goal management system. What's yours? Let me just see show of hands. How many people know they need a goal management system in their lives? Let me just see show of hands. Praise God. That's your altar call right there. Write it down. Start working on it. Number two, time management system. What's your time management system? Do you have a system that helps you ensure that you're giving the important priority, the priority to the important things in your life? What's your time management system? Do you have something that helps you know that, look, these are the things that are important to me. Spending time with God. Spending time with family. Spending time with my spouse. Have you allocated those things somewhere? So you have a management system that makes sure you're not cheating on the things that matter the most. You know, I use my, 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 my phone. It's got a lovely little system called a calendar. It's as basic as that. And I just calendar at the beginning of the year all my quiet time. 
By the way, I don't go to bed. My, 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 day, my day starts the night before. I don't go to bed when I finally feel sleepy, when, my, when the series ends, the TV series I'm watching ends, or when I have nothing else to do. I go to bed at a, at a set time every night. Our house is very infamous for that. If you come to visit us past 8 in the night, you'll be shocked. We are all asleep. All of us plus our children. That's how we operate. That doesn't have to be you. That's how we operate. Because the next morning we know we are up early. And by four, my alarm is up because I need to spend an hour before God in prayer. That's in my calendar. It rings. And I wake up. I have no excuses because it's there. And I know what the next thing is. After that, I need an hour just to plan my day and think through my goals. And then after that, I've got another hour for exercise. I put it in there. By the way, as Pastor Linda said, it's good to desire. But the next thing to make your desire to become a reality is actually to schedule it. You have a time management system that is making sure that those things that are supposed to happen, happen. If you come, check my calendar, you'll see every Friday from 4 onwards, I'm unavailable. It's blocked. Right? Call me for a meeting. I won't come. Why? Because that's my family night. I spend time with my children at that time. I spend time with them other times, but that's their time. How many people know you need a time management system this year if you're going to succeed in your goals? All right, praise God. Don't worry if you're putting up your hand for all of them. This is the Lord speaking to you. It's good work for you. Number three, a money management system. Another basic system that we need. You have a system to track and manage your expenses, your tithe, your savings, and your investments this year. You have a, management system, a money management system to track your payment back of debt and your goals towards that. A system to ensure that you're constantly reading and learning about investment. Because, by the way, you need to always be learning about it. One of the biggest resources God gives us is time and money. They're two different resources, both important. You have a system that is helping you manage that. You right now know, this is what my budget looks like for this year. These are my financial goals. This is what I'm doing every month to be able to help me achieve those goals. You need a money management system. Anybody who knows they need a money management system as you begin this year, praise God, put that down as well, as this is one of the systems I must work on. You want to be entrusted with the riches of heaven, then you must have the system to manage that wealth. The fourth is a people management system. Do you have a system to ensure that you're delegating to others, so that you're left doing the things that only you are meant to be doing? You have a system like that. One of the things that we learned, my wife and I learned very early, is we can't do all the things that are important. And so we learned to delegate. One of the things that we've learned to do is, and we always value the person who works for us in our house. Because for us, we, we want to train them to be able to manage a lot of the tasks. We want to pay them well, but then also help them, allow them to manage some, some big tasks for us. They pay our bills. They pay our rents. They go and do our shopping. They, they go into town to Chumi and do all our monthly shopping. We want that. Because at some point, we realize some of these things you feel guilty about not doing are the things that are killing you. And you're not supposed to be doing. Somebody else can do. And so we manage that. We have a management system for that. What's your people management system? At the office, the people you need to help you. I also have, by the way, advisors. Of legal advisors, friends of mine who I spend time, give, I become their advisor on spiritual issues so they can become my advisor on the issues that they're gifted at. What do you have that you can you can, you can become, you, you need advisors in your life. This one of my, one of them is sitting right here, Ranja. Ranja is my advisor on legal issues. I call him and say, Ranja, by the way, I have this issue. But he also knows when, I, when he has a spiritual issue, he can call me and say, Pastor, I have this issue. We batter our, our services. Who are your friends? I have an, by the way, I have a, I have a business leader who I call whenever I need business help. I've got mentors, people around me who give me, who are my people management system. They do things for me. They think th through things for me that I can't think for myself. 
and I try to be that for others as well. What's your people management system? How many people know you need a people management system if you're going to succeed in 2015? You see, God is saying to us that yes, you can wish, yes, you can long, yes, you can pray, but unless you have the systems in your life to manage this success, then I send it to you and this success could actually destroy you. Moses was about to destroy his family, his health, everything that counted just because his dreams had finally come true. Now, I want to conclude. And I want to conclude by asking you to do something for me. Remember that piece of paper with your goals? Let me just see it again. Amen. We're going to be praying over these things this month. And I thank God for that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. What I'm going to do is we're going to just prayerfully, we're submitting ourselves to God through these goals. These goals are the sum total of what we're, we're, we're trusting God for these big things. And we're saying, God, if these things happen this year, Lord, I will give you all the glory. In fact, some of the things I want to challenge you to say is to say, Lord, as you help me achieve these things, I want to testify next year. Last year, we had a fantastic, last, last week, we had a fantastic testimony service, a Mavuno Life service, where people shared, this is what God did for me in 2014. And I'm praying that those things you've written are going to be the basis of your testimony in 2015. You're going to be saying, this is what God helped me to accomplish in 2015. But I think what we're going to be saying then as we submit ourselves, as we submit these things to God and begin to pray over them, as we ask God, say yes over these things, then we too will be saying yes to the things that God is saying we need to do in our lives in order for him to pour these blessings upon us. And the first thing is going to be our systems. So before I bless you, before I send you out into the week and pray over you, I'm going to ask you to do something. Kanji, are you here? All right. We want to sing a song that reminds us who's in charge as we put these goals down. It's not about us. I don't know. Do you have something in mind? I do. I do. And, okay. and, and uh, I, think, I think definitely, Pastor M, this whole thing is really about us uh, recognizing that we have nothing to be afraid of um, because God is on our side. Amen. And that the things that God has promised, God will, God will actually do. So we have a song. Have God a song. is with us. God is with us. Yes. So as we sing this song, God is with us, I'm going to challenge you, just leave your seat. Come with your handbag because you don't know, unless you trust your neighbor. Come, come and just put your, whatever it is, in one of these baskets at the front. I don't know, are there baskets at the back, Pau? Are they all at the front? All at the front. So everyone's going to make this little trip to the altar. And what you're doing as this service ends, as, as we begin 2015, is you're saying, Lord, I'm trusting you with my goals. I'm trusting you with my dreams. I'm trusting with my desires. Be with me as I do this. Let me invite you to come up as Kanji leads us in song.
it's gonna be a good year. It's gonna be a good year. It's gonna be a great year. Let me challenge you this week. Just begin this work. Sit down, spend a few, few minutes. This is the best time of the year to do this if you haven't begun it. But just to ask, Lord, what system would you want me to prioritize? Which one do I need to start with? You know, some of the things in God's word, they look so obvious. But you know, unless you put in these foundational things, precept by precept, put the foundations in place, then the big things you cannot experience. And I sense that God is saying, the reason he's teaching you this is because he has such big things that he wants to accomplish in your life. But you need those systems in place for him to do this. Next week, we're going to be talking about another important system. We're going to be talking about the system of successors. We're going to be talking about successors in your life. Today, we talked about systems. And so that's what we're going to be talking about because Moses teaches us that lesson as well. But now I want to bless you as you go out into this week. Lord, I love your people. What a great people you've raised up. These people call Mavuno. You love them, Lord. You've called them out of darkness into your marvelous light. None of them is here because they call themselves. You summoned us. And I pray that, Lord, as we seek you this year, I pray that, Lord, we would not fall into the rut of doing the things like we did in the past. But that, Father, you would transform us, renewing our minds, renewing our thinking. So we'd not only be able to do your goodwill, but we'll be able to, to know your goodwill, but we'll be able to do that will. I speak your blessing over your people. As we start this year, I bless them in their offices. I bless them in their homes. Lord, even these visions and dreams that they've put in these baskets, as we pray over them this month, Father, we are praying that you would open the floodgates of heaven. You would allow your, your, your answers to come. You would bring about resolution to the things we are asking for resolution. You would show us and help us to understand that you are with us. You're with us. And so I pray that, Lord, you'd give us the grace that 2015 will be the year when we are positioned for the things that God has for us. I bless you, God's people, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say it with a shout. Somebody give glory to God. Lord, we love you and we bless you. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them, position yourself. God bless you. Have a great week.